we can get behind that every day Thanksgiving. If you agree, you could just clap your hands or something. Let me know you're paying attention. Do you know, uh, Thanksgiving 2021, this is the 400th celebration of Thanksgiving. Uh, the, the, when the pilgrims and the Native Americans got to, the indigenous people got together for the first meal, that was 1621. So this is the 400th celebration of Thanksgiving. Amazing. There are some things that started way back then that still live on today in some of our Thanksgiving traditions. And of course, Thanksgiving is in many, many ways much different than that first Thanksgiving. And you have traditions of your own, traditions that you live out with your family. Uh, one tradition that many families have some version of is when you go uh, sit at the table and you go around and each person expresses something that they are thankful for. Do you do something like this in, in your house, your family? You go around the table and you express gratitude for what you are thankful for, for family, for friends, for health, for jobs, for freedoms, for education. Church, I want you to know we thank God, our family, we thank God regularly for you. We love our church family, and we uh, say it openly out loud with our kids often. We are so thankful to be part of people's church. And I think most of us would agree we could use some more gratitude in the world. We could use more gratitude. See, consumerism, consumerism wants you to be obsessed with what you don't have. Thanksgiving is to be, have eyes wide open to what you have been blessed with, with God, what God has given you. And many of us, as we begin to live that way, or as we, as we have lived that way, we see so much good in how God's hand has provided for us. I'm going to invite you to open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, to actively be grateful for what you do have, it already sets you above average. Because we live in a world that's so all about consumerism. And this is a room of way above average people. And you can tell someone I said that. So knowing that we are already in a room full of above average people. I want us to even think beyond that to take our gratitude to a next level, our thanksgiving to an even greater level. This morning I want to, I want to challenge us to expand expressing gratitude. I want us to consider supplementing what we already express gratitude for. I want you to wrestle with this for just a second. Is it possible that our thanksgiving often stops with our thanks receiving. So it's so good for us to be gratitude for what we have in family, in relationships, in housing, in resources, in experiences, in health, all those things. So good to ha have a thankful heart for all of those things. And also... What if our gratitude attitude beyond, expanded beyond receiving to expressing thanksgiving for what we are able to 
give. See, I believe we actually miss out if our thanksgiving is limited to only receiving and leaves out gratitude or thanksgiving for what we give. My encouragement this morning, and we're going to see that this idea comes right out of the Bible, that we would be a church family that gives thanks for what we receive and increases giving thanks for what we release. Add to thanksgiving for what God provides to you and include thanksgiving for what God provides through you. So some of you know that before God led me into a, a ministry call, uh, I had a 10-year career in television news journalism and local TV station, most of that in Milwaukee, uh, at the NBC station there. And something that we would talk about in TV news world is teasing deep, teasing deep. Our producers would talk about this. What it means to tease deep is to promote stories at the beginning of the newscast and throughout that you wouldn't see until the very end. Why? So you'll watch it all. This morning, I want to tease deep with you. At the very end of our message today, I want to share with you something exciting that's been in the works for some months now. I want to unveil to you plans to upgrade our sanctuary space and our family life center. It's going to be great. And it's coming up at the end. <laughs> Before we get there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. If our, if our giving is reluctant, if it's forced, if we're giving because we feel like we have to, there's an, a, an emptiness, there's a disconnect between what your heavenly Father wants for you and your giving. And what we know is that no, no one wants to be the recipient of a gift that's given with a bad attitude. You can tell if someone is giving you something and they're reluctant or they're being forced to do it. Kids, share your toys. I'm guessing that you know what it's like to be the recipient of a reluctant or a forced gift. What can happen if it's reluctant or if it's forced? The giver can put conditions on it. I want you to have this as long as you'll be my best friend forever. Or if a, if a gift is reluctant or forced, what else can happen? The person who gives can constantly remind you over and over about what they gave you or did for you. Do you remember that time that I rolled in your trash bin from the curb? and recycling bin, and yard waste bin. I even brought in the glass thing. That was five years ago. No one likes to be the receiver of reluctant gifts or gifts given under compulsion. So why would we ever have that attitude in the way that we give to somebody else? Or certainly why would we want to have that attitude in the way that we give to God? And as we're into this conversation, I just want you to know 
This is a generous church. You're a church that we see examples so often of how you have gone over and above to just bless people and to be there for people. And it, I'm humbled by some of the things that I see that you do. And I know for everything that is seen, there are a thousand things that are unseen. So in many ways, this is a reinforcement to so, so much of what is already happening. What is the attitude that we prefer when someone gives something to us or does something for us? What is the attitude that we would want them to have? We want them to be cheerful. Yeah, don't overthink it. Cheerful. And so Jesus, remember Jesus said, he had this famous saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if we apply that to our giving, if we want to be the recipients of cheerful giving, then in turn, we should desire to be cheerful givers. That's how God intended it to be, to, that we would be the kind of giver that we would want to receive from. There's, there's a fear. There can be a fear in giving. Maybe you've never quite thought of it this way, but there's a fear in giving. And the fear is, in giving is that if I give this away, then what? Then I will miss out. Then, then we won't have it. And so if I give it away, then I'm actually going to lose out on, on something. But what we're going to see is that that actually is so not biblical. This is not my idea. This is, this is right out of God's word. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, as a result of your giving, he's just said, he's just made the, the remark about cheerful giving. As a result of your cheerful giving, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Okay, look with me at the New Living Translation of the same verse. Sometimes I need things a little simpler. It helps me. As a result of your cheerful generosity, New Living Translation, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This verse directly addresses the fear that if I give it away, then I'm going to miss out. And Paul says that's not how it is with God. Paul says if you give it away for the right reasons, with the right heart and the right attitude, God is going to make sure that the supply keeps flowing. Why? So that your needs will be provided for, and that's not the end of the sentence. It goes on. He says he's going to keep... Paul says God will keep providing so that you can continue to give. Well, Paul actually uses the word share, but we're together. What an encouraging path. What an encouragement. There is a direct connect between God's generous provision and as we generously release. The result of giving cheerfully and generously is God's generous provision so that you can continue to share. Generous. I love words. I use the dictionary every week, mostly because I want to make sure that the words that I'm using actually mean what I think that they mean. And if you look up the word generous, 
Uh, one of, there is, uh, of the several different definitions, one of the definitions is just one word for generous, and it's the word open-handed. Open-handed is actually just one, one word. Isn't that incredible that a definition for the word generous is open-handed? Well, what does that tell us? It tells us that there are things, there's, there's time, there's money, there's resources that we have that we can be close-handed with or we can be open-handed with, saying, I'm willing to release this. God, if you're leading me to release it, I will hold this with open hands for the benefit of someone else. So Paul is actually laying out for us not a, a t- like a, a timeline, but it's actually more of a cycle, like live, this, live in this cycle. You give pressing the limits of your resources. What's going to happen next? God's going to provide increase. What's going to happen? Your needs are met, and so that you can continue to share. <laughs> if we believe that God is who the Word says he is and who we say he is, that he's generous, that he's knowing, that he's loving, that he's fully aware then it would be completely absurd for God to look at your generosity, our generosity, and say, wow, look at that family. They are giving so generously of their time. They're giving of their resources. They're giving the best of their finances. I know what needs to happen. We need to cut them off. That would be absurd and counter to the character of God. If God sees that you are a cheerful giver and that you are living in the cycle that he inspired Paul to write down, what is he going to do? He's going to continue to put more in your hands so that you can continue to live out the cycle. Do you know that God may trust you with a resource for which your only purpose is to give it away? Some of you have lived this. Something has come into your hands. It could be time, resource, finances, and you'd had no moment to even take it in for yourself. You just moved it on. It came to you. You moved it on for the benefit of someone else. God may put into your hands a resource, and the only reason he's giving it to you is because he knows he can trust you because of past faithfulness to not keep it to yourself, but to pass it along to some other person. Because we know God's character, we can expect that as we're generous, he will give us more to be generous with. There's actually more pieces to this cycle. It gets even better. And here's, we actually see the word thanksgiving in verse 11. Paul writes, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched. For what purpose? To be generous. You will be supplied so that you can continue to be generous. And remember, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth because he is preparing them to give an offering for the church in Jerusalem where Christians had fallen on hard times. So when he talks about through us, what he's saying is that when we take these gifts that you've given us and when we transport them to Jerusalem to the Christians who have fallen on hard times, when they receive it, what are they going to do? They're going to thank God. They're going to thank God. 
And there's actually even another piece to this cycle. Look down at verse 13. By their approval, so Paul is specifically speaking about the Christians on hard times in Jerusalem, but he's also talking about those who are recipients of your generosity. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Those who receive the gift, they're going to give credit to God for what he did through you. Plugging into this cycle, plugging into this flow of giving, receiving, and thanking God and glory to God, what Paul says here is that this is going to be outward evidence of the transformation that has happened inside. This is going to be an evidence to the world of how Christ has transformed your life. How, is Christ, how does Jesus transform life? We celebrated it today with water baptism. Jesus Christ, he came to this earth, fully God, fully man, perfect, never sinned. Because of those reasons, he is the only one who has ever been qualified to die the sacrificial death for the sins of humanity. And all who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation will be saved. They have a hope. You have a hope for now and for eternity. And if you have never made the decision to declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no better day than today than to say, Jesus, I declare you my Lord. I repent. I turn from my life of sin, and I declare you the Lord of my life. Catch the cycle. You give, pressing or exceeding the limits of your resources. God provides an increase so that your needs are taken care of and that you can give more and so that you can give more. Those who receive, they're going to thank God. And it's going to be evidence of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. So take this away. Expand your thanksgiving to include gratitude for what God's provided for you to give away. Let me give you two quick action steps here. The first is this. Make gratitude for your giving part of your thanksgiving. Make gratitude for your giving part of your thanksgiving. And it may begin with a prayer. God, thank you for the time, money, resources that you put in my hands or our hands to give away. Father, thank you for the raise. Thank you for the bonus. Thank you for the unexpected savings. Thank you for the purchase where the cost was less than we anticipated. Thank you for that thing that we were able to sell and we got more than we thought we'd ever get for it. Thank you for the way that you moved, putting us in a position to be generous to others. So we talked about the family tradition where you sit around the table and you go around the table and you say, what are you thankful for? And everyone uh, shares something. Let, let me encourage you to add this at the appropriate moment for you and your household, if you have kids or grandkids. After you do that, uh, go around the table. Say, let's do one more question, kids, grandkids. As you look back on 2021, what are you thankful for that you were able to give away? I bet you'd find some exciting answers as you listen to your kids or your grandkids. This is the time of year when we begin to reflect on the year that was and we anticipate the year ahead. 
maybe on, on your own or if you're married with your spouse, I encourage you to have the intentional conversation. What did God put in our hands in the year 2021 that we are thankful that we could give it away? And I think some of us, if we were honest, we might wish that our list could be longer than it is. And we would confess that maybe we haven't been as intentional about releasing as we would want to be. It's not about comparison. But let me ask you this. As a church family, and if you're visiting this week, you're part of the family this week. You can take it back to your own church. What if all of us, no matter what 2021 has been like today, what if all of us decided that as we finish the year 2021 and go into 2022, what if we were to celebrate, we were to say we want to celebrate a long list of Thanksgiving giving away like we have never gave away before? What would happen in our city if we lived with that heart? What if each of us decided that 2022 will be our greatest year of cheerful giving ever? So action step one, add thanksgiving for what we give. And here's action step two. And this is just an idea, just an idea. Celebrate Giving Tuesday before Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday. Coming up in the days ahead, Thanksgiving, then we have Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. And then what happens on Giving Tuesday? If you've ever given $1 to a nonprofit, they know you. They know how to find you. And they will send emails to you. They will send mail to you. They will call you and they say, do you know that Giving Tuesday is coming up? And there are many nonprofits that do great work. We believe in what many of our partner organizations are doing. That's why we partner with missions. We believe in our own mission here at the church, of course. But as a, as a follower of Christ, maybe this is just me, it's always felt very backwards that Giving Tuesday comes after everything else. So what if, as, what if symbolically, uh, a way of living out, believing that generosity comes first, what if we were to do Giving Tuesday first? Say, before I do Black Friday, before I do Small Business Saturday, before I do Cyber Monday, and isn't like everything cyber anyways, what if we were do, to do, before all that, we were to say, this year, me and my household, we're going to do Giving Tuesday before all of that. What would happen? What would happen? Now, I know some of you are thinking it's really like messed up this year because all the ships are like out in the, off the coast of California and some stores had Black Friday sales in August. And so just like set that aside. Don't get too worked up about that. What if we were to decide that Giving Tuesday would be this Tuesday instead of next Tuesday? What if we were to add that by the end of 2022, we want to thank God for a provision that allowed us to release more than we have ever been able to release before?